and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. Well, hello there, and welcome back to Moments with Moni. Oh, I hope your day is much more bright than mine. I'm looking out my window to a dreary, dreary sky, heavy with rain and clouds. But, you know, there's always hope up above those clouds. I always remember there's sun up above the clouds that I see on the other side. And that's important to remember, especially with what's coming up in the new series. Well, unlike this dreary day here today, it was a beautiful Sunday morning at church, at the church building this past week. A time of worship and a time of listening to the book of Hebrews. Let us hold on tight to the profession of our faith in Jesus, the best, the better sacrifice. It tied into the end of the Biblical Covenant series that I finished just last week. And since we have come to the end, there must be a new beginning, which was announced on last Friday's Cafe Clutch episode. Did you catch that? Well, no matter. Whether you did or not, here's the announcement again. The Covenant series ended with an explanation of the timeline of the covenants, which led into a quick explanation of the end times of this church age. While living in this part of history, we can see that the world stage is being set for the outplaying of the revelation of Jesus Christ. To myself and those of you that have read the back of the book, we already have the answers to many of the world's questions. We can see the cultural struggle of good and evil clashing before our very eyes. The foundational shift from biblical thinking where God and his word is the ultimate authority that stands as truth is being set aside for the mind shift of those who are attempting to crack this biblical foundation by deconstructing and chiseling at its base of truth and it's attempting to cause the continued erosion of the beautiful, abundant life that our God had intended back in the Garden of Eden. In the beginning of the journey here on Moments with Moni, we will be making a huge leap from the beginning of time to the end of the age into the book of Revelation. Yes, the book of Revelation. I trust that you have found God's word to be faithful and true through the account of the covenants and can now move on to more of God's infallible word. As we dive into Revelation, the plan is to take a literal historical approach, keeping in mind that this will not discount parables and symbols or figures of speech. Scripture, being God-breathed, is infallible, However, humankind is not. 
If we come across something that seems like a discrepancy, it is worth our while to dig deeper until we find that we might have overlooked something. The prophecy that we will be coming face to face with is a forthtelling of God's word. The debunking of Christianity tends to include new revelations that may not agree with the scriptures and in turn will hold no water, but will in the end be burned up like straw. Context is another extremely important aspect of reading through the Bible. Context, context, context. It's just like when you buy a new house. What do you keep in mind? Location, location, location. Aside from the studying parameters, there is nothing on the Christian calendar that has to happen before the great snatching away of God's people occurs. However, before you feel the need to turn this off due to disagreement, take the time to walk through the Covenant series to understand the time frames of different people through world history and world future and beyond. Not all will be on the same path. It is with all my heart I pray for the quick return of Jesus to take his bride home, and yet I know that the longer he takes to fulfill this snatching away, his mercy and patience plays out for more, more time for those who have not repented yet. With each new day on earth, there is another opportunity to turn from our own ways, to agree with God and walk with Him, eventually right into the heavenlies. So I try not to be impatient and use my time wisely to share His message of hope. Revelation is the first book of the Bible that I ever read. It scared the bejeebers out of me at 10 years old as I read it under the covers at night with a flashlight. Whatever bejeebers are. Now, some 50 years later, I can say that now that I have read and comprehend more of the rest of all of the books of the Bible, Revelation brings much needed peace and tranquility, even now as the world is in upheaval. Every age has had its upheavals, and here we are now amidst the COVID catastrophe, when everyone could use peace and tranquility. What does it look like on the world stage right now compared to God's end-time calendar? Well, the nation of Israel has come together again back in 1948, although their eyes are still blinded to what God's plan is. Apostasy grows stronger and stronger each day through false teachers that we have been warned against. The book of Timothy tells us, We are to understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, reckless, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And God tells us to avoid such people, 
for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. It sure sounds like we're in those days today. But wait, there's more. God continues to say many will fall away, and many will lead others astray. Many false prophets will rise and lead many astray, and the love of many will grow cold. Another item on the checklist of these last days scenario is the absence of America. Scholars speculate as to how this might happen, but it's all speculation. The view I hold to is that once Jesus comes for his bride and raptures his people out of this country, it will be weakened and the United States of Europe will become a stronger power on the world stage, allowing for a one-world government as we see in Revelation 13 in the future. There may be catastrophes that play into the picture we will see in Revelation and in our future. But for now, it's back to history to get a running start at our story. A long time ago, not in a fairy tale land, there lived a man called John. He was known as the beloved one of Jesus the one who cared for Jesus' mother after Jesus was cruelly killed on a cross while they looked on. The Roman government did not like the stories that John wrote and spread about the man they called Jesus. John, being one of the sons of thunder, ended up on an island called Patmos around 95-96 AD after the death of Jesus, and John wrote a book that God inspired him to write. This book is known as Revelation. Not revelations, but revelation. For there is one thing that this book reveals, and that is Jesus Christ. John wrote other books as well, like First and Second and Third John, encouraging little ones in Christ to love each other. However, while on the island of Patmos, he penned the book of Revelation. As we begin this journey in Revelation, make sure that you pull out your Bible yourself and read it. Check it for accuracy. Don't just take my word for it. It's a difficult book. You really have to know the rest of the Bible to understand it. But take one step at a time. One step at a time. I by no means am the expert on it. But I think it's really important that we take a look at the book of Revelation, because we seem to be so close to the end of this age. So here's a little bit of a historical background on John. He was the apostle that wrote Revelation. He was the brother of James and son of Zebedee. He worked on his dad's boats, mending nets on the Sea of Galilee. John was the youngest disciple. Jesus called James and John, the sons of thunder, because, well, they were a bit rowdy. Some think it was written even earlier than that. Some liberals say that John never mentioned the destruction of Jerusalem. Titus and Roman legions attacked and destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. 
The emperor at the time tried to boil John in oil. He was the only disciple that did not die a violent death. John was banished to the island of Patmos because of rumors that he would never die. John is supposed to have pastored a church in Ephesus before being banished to Patmos, and after being banished, his message was, Beloved, love one another. John probably wrote Revelation first, then the Gospel of John 1, 2, and 3. Have you ever heard of the word apocalypse? I have. As a child, I remember hearing of it from adults, and it conjured up pictures of destruction. Well, the ancient word apocalypse in Greek is translated to mean, in our language, the unveiling. This book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ and how awesome is it that after going through the covenant and we saw that at the moment that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that the veil that was between the holy and the holy of holies in the tabernacle with the Jews was torn from top to bottom. That veil that stood between us and being in his presence was gone. It was no longer necessary because Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, made it possible for us to be in God's presence. It was Charles Spurgeon who wrote, The great fault of many professors is that Christ is to them a character upon paper, certainly more than a myth, but yet a person of the dim past, an historical personage who lived many years ago and did most admirable deeds by the which we are saved, but who is far from being a living, present, bright reality. Oh, how we need a revelation of Jesus Christ in these last days. Well, just like the book of Hebrews says, God has spoken through his prophets in the past. He has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ, in the past. We have everything we need to hear from God about what is coming in our future. All we have to do is read it and study it. This book of Revelation, the unveiling, was given from God to the angel to John to the churches and now to us over 2,000 years later. And in this book, it says there's a blessing for us when we read this book, when we listen to this book, and when we do what it says. And there's also a cursing says that if we take away or add anything to this book, that will be heaped on top of us. Oh my, now there's responsibility for you. It's time to know what God's heart is all about. And as the book begins, it tells us that there are things that must shortly take place. Things are going to happen. It's a book of predictive prop. Uh, I can't say it. It's a book of predictive prophecy. That's a mouthful. The time is near, though. Revelation 1-3 tells us that. For the fulfillment of all these things. But the time was not present 
at the time of the writing. I remember the pendulum swinging throughout my lifetime of people telling me that I shouldn't be concerned with all this prophecy because it's not really, it's just a a frivolous exercise. And then others were consumed with it and added to it. But there is a happy medium, and that's on the pages of the Bible. You know, if we don't have trouble with the first few words of the Bible, the rest is spirit and truth, and it's a good foundation. So let me remind you of those first few words. In the beginning, God. God did all those things. In the beginning. If you don't have trouble with that, you can move on throughout the entire book. Check out the covenants and then look at Revelation. You know, we're so close to the end of times, even if you read Revelation now. First thing like I did as a child, first book that I read. It might scare you at first, but as you come to understand more of how God explains our history through these covenants, you can understand the timelines of different people throughout the entire book of Revelation and beyond. And of course, I'm not a Greek scholar. If some of you are out there, boy, I would sure appreciate some input. I mentioned that the Bible says that shortly these things must come to pass. Um, Shortly in the ancient Greek phrase, entaki, I believe it's pronounced that way, means quickly or suddenly coming to pass, indicating rapidity of execution after the beginning takes place. The idea is not that the event may occur soon, but that when it does, it will be sudden. And that, according to a Bible scholar called Walvoord. Oh, and this comment by the Bible scholar Clark will help us understand as we go through the book of Revelation. Uh, Why does God use so many signs in the book of Revelation, he says? After all, they have been the main cause of difficulty with the book. Is God playing a game of guess this mystery in Revelation? No, not at all. The signs are necessary because John expresses things of heaven, which Paul said he heard with inexpressible words in 2 Corinthians 12.4. John describes things as he has seen them, so he can only use symbolic images to explain them. To us, this book is prophecy, but to John, as he was receiving this message, he simply recorded history unfolding before him as he saw it. John had visions from heaven, but he described them in his own language and manner. Just think back when there were horses and boats, and then all of a sudden we had the Industrial Revolution, and there were cars and different kinds of boats, and there was machinery and tanks. The world changed in the 1800s because of all of this. Well, how do you describe that to someone who had not seen any of that? That's what John's job was. He was taking this message from heaven, from God, from the, that was given to the angel, that was given to him, and he was writing it down and trying to explain it to us in his limited language. 
The book of Revelation is rooted in the Old Testament. It contains more than 500 allusions to the Old Testament and 278 of the 404 verses in Revelation, that's almost 70%, make some reference to the Old Testament. Thankfully, John didn't write that we had to understand everything in the book of Revelation to be blessed. There are some difficult things in this book, and we may not understand them as we look back at fulfilled prophecy, but we can be blessed by reading and hearing it, even when we don't understand it. A little more on the historical background of Revelation. It's reported that John saw his visions and was told to write them down while he was on the island of Patmos, which was a small, barren, rocky island in the Aegean Sea, about 60 miles from Ephesus. And John was told to write down what he saw in a book and to send it to the seven churches in the province of Asia, which was Western Asia Minor, to the churches called Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The original recipients of Revelation were the believers in these seven churches. Tradition reports that the Apostle John exercised spiritual oversight over these churches while he resided at Ephesus during the final decades of the first century. The order of the listing of the seven churches forms a semicircle beginning in the west at Ephesus, then extending northward to Pergamos, and then southward, southeastward to Laodicea. Revelation was probably sent initially as a circular letter beginning at Ephesus and then throughout the provinces. The book of Revelation was probably written near the end of the reign of the emperor Domitian. John had been exiled there, and they also had a report that John was released from exile and returned to Ephesus. Once again, that forms the basis of our conclusion earlier. The book of Revelation was designed to close the New Testament revelation and to be the final inspired statement from God until the return of Jesus Christ himself. John may have distributed copies of the book upon his return from his exile. The book appears to be directed primarily toward believers in order to encourage and exhort them, but a message for unbelievers can be detected as well. There are promises and blessings to those that I mentioned, to those who read it, obey it, the contents of this book. Revelation 19 promises a curse to anyone who adds or takes away from this book. The book strongly assumes the perseverance and final salvation of true believers. Could you use some encouragement right now? I know I could. Historically, a number of purposes can be detected in the book. First, it was written to encourage believers to endure persecution and to persevere through suffering, knowing that the victory of Christ over the whole world and the devil is guaranteed and certain it will come about. Revelation also seeks to unite all the various lines of biblical prophecy, both the Old Testament and New Testament, and to show how they converge on the second coming of Christ to rule the earth 
in his messianic kingdom. The book also seeks to correct some moral and doctrinal problems that existed and still exist in our churches, and to instruct Christians in such things as salvation, prophecy, the person of Jesus, the Christian life, and the book is also an attack on the paganism and emperor worship of the Roman Empire and his persecution of the Christians. There are a number of possible veiled references to the anti-Christian nature and activities of Rome in the book. The book of Revelation also builds heavily on the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. There are many symbols introduced in the book of Daniel that are repeated and clarified in Revelation. A full understanding of Revelation is impossible without an accurate understanding of the prophecy of Daniel. The number seven is very prominent in Revelation. There are seven churches, seven candlesticks, seven stars, seven letters, seven spirits, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven thunders, seven heads, seven angels, seven bowls or vials, seven mountains, and seven blessings. Many interpreters believe that the number seven, when given symbolic significance, represents completeness and perfection. The numbers four and twelve also appear to have special significance in the book of Revelation. This book was anticipated by Jesus before his death when he declared that the Holy Spirit would show the apostles things to come. It might help if I give us an outline of the book of Revelation to give us a roadmap for what we will be looking into next week. First, we see the past, the things which you have seen. Then we see the present, and it's written as the things which are. Third is the future, the things which shall be thereafter. And this outline is in chapter 1, verse 4, when John speaks to the seven churches in the writings here in Asia. He says, Grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. And that is the outline for the book of Revelation. Thanks again for listening to Moments with Moni. You can contact me through my blog, momentswithmoni.com, where you can find the behind-the-scenes blog entries, as well as all of the podcasts. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please share them with a friend or leave a review online at Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 